don't know, for the seven Sundays over the sort of school holiday weeks, what we're doing as a church uh, is we're looking at the seven signs of Jesus as recorded in John's Gospel. So the first two Sundays we looked at Jesus turning water into wine, and then last week it was uh, the healing of an official son. And today we're going to be diving into a passage in John chapter 5. Um, so what I'm going to do this morning is we're just really going to read the passage together and we, I'm just going to unpack a few little things from it in the time that we have. Um, really, I'm trusting and believing that the, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us through this amazing book, the Bible. Uh, and that is my prayer. So I'm going to pray in a moment, but I'm just going to remind us also of what it tells us in John chapter 20 about the purpose of John's gospel, because it's not, you know, it, t- it tells us why the book was written, actually. In John chapter 20, uh, verse 30, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these, the ones recorded, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, and I think it's the kind of believing that includes following, acting. By believing, you may have life in his name. So let's pray, let's pray. Yes, Holy Spirit, we welcome you again this morning. We thank you that you have even come to live in us. And we're, we're trusting, we're believing that you want to speak to us this morning through the words of this amazing account of the life of Jesus. And so, yeah, we ask you, we ask you, come and speak to our hearts again, just to bring fresh revelation, fresh truth to us as we hear your words. Amen. Okay, so we're in John chapter 5. If you have a a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, then I'd encourage you to turn to that. Uh, We're going to pick up from verse 2, so John chapter 5, verse 2. I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation, if you want to read the same uh, version. So let's dive in. John chapter 5, verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So just firstly notice that there's a multitude. But then the narrative, interestingly, focuses right in. So it carries on. Verse 5. One man, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years, that is a long time. As it happens, I'm 38 years old, so for me it's literally a lifetime. But in anyone's book, I think 38 years is a long time, right? Um, So verse six, when when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he'd already been there a long time, and he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, there are different ways you could read that question, I think, but my conviction is that what we're seeing here is a compassionate question. And I think this is confirmed as we read on through the passage. It's like Jesus, the good shepherd, and he sees a sheep that's been stuck somewhere in a hole maybe for a long time, and it doesn't know how to get out. And I think, again... John is focusing on this one person. He wants us to see that Jesus sees this person. Jesus stops for this person. And he has compassion on this person who's in a particularly desperate situation. And so my first question just for us to think about this morning is, do we know, like, I don't know what all the different circumstances and situations are going on in each one of our lives, but do we know that we're seen by Jesus? Do 
know that he has compassion on us. And maybe we feel stuck in a situation that's just been ongoing for years and years. I don't know how you're feeling this morning, but I want to tell you that you're seen by Jesus and that he has compassion on you. Verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. It's a little bit out of the blue. What's the deal with the, the water being stirred up? Well, the eagle-eyed amongst you may have noticed that in the ESV, certainly, there is actually no verse 4. It skips straight from verse 3 to 5. And it's because in some of the manuscripts considered more reliable, actually that, that verse isn't there. But it does give us a little bit of an insight into at least a, a, a rationale for what's going on here. And you probably find it in your footnote. And it will say something like, An angel of the Lord would go down at certain seasons into the pool, stir the water, and whoever stepped in first would be healed. So it's not really integral to, to what we're going to be looking at this morning, but just for curiosity, that at least provides an explanation of probably what was going on here. That was why this sick man wanted to, to get into the water quickly when it was stirred up. Notice as well that the sick man doesn't really, at least directly, answer Jesus' question. Jesus asks him if he wants to be healed, and he just goes on this story about why he can't get into the water. But it's interesting, this, this expression of actually desperation seems to be enough. Like that, that seems to be all that Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for the right answer, He's, but he, he catches the heart of this person that he's desperate. He wants help. So we carry on, verse 8. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Eight words Jesus speaks to him. And this is, this is an incredible healing, but it's more than just a healing. This is actually literally words of new life. I mean, imagine this man would have been, that was his life, just like sitting, waiting at the pool every day. Now he has you know, almost unbounded potential and options, you know, in his future. This is, this is new life that Jesus is bringing to this man. I wonder what that sick man was thinking about that morning as he munched his cornflakes. <laughs> we don't know, do we? But maybe, maybe he'd given up, right? You know, maybe he just thought, you know, I'm a sick man, this is my identity, I'm always going to be the person who stays at this pool, this is going to be me, you know, for the rest of my days. Or maybe, maybe he did have hope. Maybe he thought, you know, I'm here for a reason. I'm by the pool. This is a place where people get, get healed. And, you know, I just really hope that today is the day that, that the water gets stirred up. And maybe a kind person will come by and, and carry me into the water and I'll be the first. Maybe he was hoping for that. He almost certainly wasn't even hoping for what actually happened to him that day when Jesus came. And I wonder if that's sometimes the case for us in our lives as well. Maybe there's something that, that you would think of in your own life which has been ongoing for a long time. And maybe even you think you know what the solution is to that. But actually, sometimes Jesus' answers, Jesus' solutions are not the same as what we think they are. So I just want to encourage us. Like, maybe God wants to speak something fresh to us this morning. Maybe there's something that he wants to just identify even now in this moment. Something where he actually wants to bring his words of new life into a situation. Maybe that's as you're reading your Bible or as you just earnestly seeking him in prayer. We'll carry on. Second half of verse 9. Now that day, 
was the Sabbath. So the Jews, or it can be translated the Jewish religious leaders, that's kind of who it's talking about, said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. I mean, isn't it tragic that these Jewish religious leaders, they weren't able to celebrate the fact that someone had been healed after 38 years of sickness. They were, they were so caught up in wanting to see these rules being followed. I wonder, is it possible that sometimes we miss what Jesus is doing because we have our own grids and ideas of how we think Jesus should work, the way we think he should do things? It's a good question for us to reflect on. Verse 11, but, but the sick man answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who'd been healed didn't know because Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. So this is the, the disappearing act of Jesus that you see it happening a few times actually in the Gospels. Um, but interestingly, he then does reappear and it's again with this zeroed-in focus on the one person. Verse 14, afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now firstly, let's just quickly say, this doesn't necessarily mean that the man's sickness was due to sin, which could be read there. And, and in fact, notice in chapter 9, which is one of the stories we're going to be looking at later in the summer, which is of the man being born blind, Jesus specifically counters this idea there. But what Jesus is saying here is that sin is serious and that it can have serious consequences. Now, let's notice again here that Jesus found this sick man. It doesn't seem like it's a chance encounter that they just happen to bump into each other. It seems much more deliberate and purposeful on Jesus' part. And why did he find him? He found him because he wanted to instruct him, actually, to sin no more. It reminds me of the, the story of the woman caught in adultery, which is a few couple of chapters on, chapter 8 in, in John, where Jesus has oodles of compassion and grace. But he does then, in the same way, expect that an encounter with him will change the person. And the call is the same in that story too, to sin no more. This is the, the Greek verb hamatano, which means more literally to miss the mark, or we could say um, to miss the target. Once we've met Jesus, he expects us to stay focused on the target, which is ultimately him. See, for Jesus, the healing and the holiness go together. And after all, they, they both point to the coming of the kingdom of God. So, a question. Do you need to hear Jesus here? I, I would propose that we all probably do, actually, at one level or another. Yes, he wants to show us incredible grace. But if we've encountered him, he's calling us to sin no more. To not stray from focusing on Jesus as the target. Sin easily entangles us, it tells us in Hebrews 12. And Jesus says here that actually sin can lead to something worse than 38 years of being sick. We might already have something that's jumped into our minds, but I just actually want to pause just for 20 seconds and just allow Holy Spirit just to see if he wants to highlight something to us. 
maybe an area where we need to repent or we need to refocus. Or maybe, in the words of the other gospel, we need to metaphorically gouge out that eye that's causing us to sin. So just going to pause for 20 seconds and see if Holy Spirit wants to just highlight something in our heart. So, verse 15, we're going to pick it up. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. It's classic Jesus, not a first simple, straightforward sentence, that is it. But if you read on through the rest of the chapter... I think you get the idea of where he's going. His claim is that Jesus himself, he is the Son of God. And so I think he's suggesting that this should be less about what's right or wrong to do on the Sabbath and more about what it means to be the creator and ruler of the universe. The one who is ultimately working to restore that Sabbath joy and wholeness and rest to the world. And so verse 18, our last verse for this morning says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They at least understood that correctly. <laughs> Jesus is the one who has come to establish God's kingdom of peace and justice. And ultimately, this will be in full effect when he returns with ultimate final justice in the new heavens and the new earth. But Jesus has already come. He's initiated the kingdom of God movement for all who will believe and follow him. And so, as we reflect back on the purpose of this book again that John told us, what kind of Messiah, what kind of Son of God is John revealing to us through this passage? Well, I think we've seen that it's a Jesus who sees us it's a Jesus who has compassion on us. It's a Jesus who speaks powerful words of healing and of new life, sometimes unexpectedly. And it's a Jesus who calls us to sin no more, to a life of holiness. So I hope you've, uh, yeah, heard God actually through the words of this passage this morning.